Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, January 7th. In any controversy, test the rightness of your stand by the way it affects your deeper feelings. Such feelings can be trusted, as the ever-fickle emotions can never be. Calm, joyful feelings will steer you aright. If, on the other hand, your feelings are agitated or negative, They will emphasize your lower emotions and will almost always be wrong. Even happy emotions can distort one's judgment. Calm feeling is the safest condition for receiving right guidance. Like so many other suggestions that Swamiji makes here, these are not the way most people think. You know, we sort of think the more agitated I am, the more intense I am, the more excited I am, the more exuberant I am, the more right I'm likely to be. But if we pay attention to our life's experience, we'll notice that whenever we make decisions or make declarations or, you know, insist upon our point of view and push our point of view on others, when there is that strong, compelling, um, the opposite of calm feeling... Often later we wonder, what was I thinking? We sort of wake up from it later and either we're exhausted or we're confused or we've created a situation that we don't really know how we got ourselves into or we're not really sure how we're going to get ourselves out of it. It, it, uh, It's something that is really worth paying attention to and if it's a new thought for you, it's something that you, you really are going to have to think about deeply because it does really contradict the basic idea that the higher the level of emotion, the more powerful the experience is going to be and the more right you are. I realized in my own life, I have a, um, I would say I've overcome it to a, a, a notable extent. I'm certainly not free, but over many years of effort, I've overcome an inclination to be high strung and to overreact to situations. I still can, but I catch myself sooner to overreact and become quite certain that what I'm saying has to be listened to and that whoever is not agreeing with me must be persuaded. And it, I found it very difficult to be able to sort of hear, hear the wrongness of my thoughts. But I developed the ability to notice the signals that I was being caught in, in a in an emotional whirlpool that was not moving me closer toward truth, but was moving me away from it. And it was the speed with which I spoke, to a certain extent the volume, what I spoke, and definitely the pitch of my voice. Because when I would become emotionally um, agitated, I would begin to talk faster and faster, and my voice would get a little bit tighter and tighter and tighter. And like that. Now I was exaggerating it, but not by much. And there was also a profound physical feeling that went with it because the nature, you know, there's a huge physiological element to nervousness and stress. So when that emotional response would kick in, 
I could feel it in my body, I could, and I could hear it in my voice long before I could think it with my mind. So what I started doing, and, and <clears throat> the main difficulty I had was that I became um, negative. I mean, I became af- afraid that people weren't going to hear what I had to say and listen to what I had to say. But also when I would become over-exuberant and just be sure that mine was, you know, we were going to do this, we were going to do this, there would be a lot of the same physiological signs. Not quite so unpleasant, but a lot of the same ones. A certain rising tension in me, speed of voice, voice would get higher. Slightly different, but not that different. And so what I began to realize, very simply, whenever any of those signs were present, whatever I was doing, I would regret. And I won't go so far as to say everything I said or did was wrong, because sometimes it wasn't wrong, but it had become wrong, because now I I wasn't able to listen, I wasn't able to slow down and think clearly. Uh, to, To quote from earlier in this month, I was talking at people, not with them. So I just knew that anything that came out in that vibration, with that tone of voice, was not who I really wanted to be. So I developed the, the habit, I developed the discipline, and it took a lot of effort. And I, I still try to practice it, although I, I'm saying to myself, perhaps not as conscientiously as I should. But as soon as I heard that tone, I would stop talking. And if possible, I would even leave the room, if, if I could, for a few minutes until I had a chance to reorient myself. Because just like what Swami says here, when we act under strong emotion, we're not likely to be as centered in our decisions. And if we try to communicate and explain and make our will known under those strong emotions, we're not likely to be very persuasive. You know? And then later we wake up and we think, you know, what happened? It often leads to arguments. Because even if we start out with a positive feeling, other people can recognize that we're not with them at all. We're only lost in our own reality. So there is this, and it began to come to me also like this, because I I am in a position where I'm often asked to advise or to guide others. That is the position I've been in for decades of my life. Karmically, it's obviously something I've needed to learn. So circumstances have brought me into that position. Uh, when a palm reader looked at my hand once and basically said, you know, being a counselor is just who you are. This was even long before I had any actual position in the world. She says it's just there. I mean, I'm not going to give a speech about palmistry, but it was very interesting to just hear it said like that. And I've had a lot to learn about I can easily analyze someone and put my analysis into words. I mean, it, it, that doesn't take any particular talent, but to actually be helpful to people is a whole different reality. And to be helpful to people means that you have to not only have your idea and your analysis of their motivations and their reality, which may or may not be accurate. Sometimes when you dissect people like, like dead frogs in formaldehyde, you don't really get a feeling for what their reality is. Um, sometimes you can, but not always. But if you really want to be helpful, you have to understand 
what is motivating a person, where they are in their own evolution, what looks like their, the priority to them. One of my girlfriends said to me once very early on, and I greatly appreciated it. She said, Asha, you explain my problems to me more clearly than I want to know them, <laughs> which was an extremely kind way of putting it. But it was like, just because I could analyze her shortcomings doesn't mean that pointing them out to her continuously was the least bit helpful to her. And I had to stop and ask myself, what am I doing and why am I doing it? You know, am I just doing it for the sheer pleasure of being so clever? And that means that I can just, you know, live my life in splendid loneliness, being right, but nobody's going to want to be anywhere near me. And really, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to uh, entertain myself with my own smart little mind, you know. So I, I began to realize that the only way I could really help people is if I was completely calm in myself and my commitment was to doing what God wanted me to do. And my commitment was not to telling you what you need to know. I'm going to elevate that thought all the way up to something wonderful that Mother Teresa said. When Mother Teresa was asked about her efforts to serve the poor and how efficient she thought her nuns were, compared to other kind of more highly trained people, even that kind of a question. She said, she's looked at the journalists and said, I'm not helping the poor. I'm doing what Jesus asked me to do. I don't think the journalist understood the distinction, but it was a brilliant answer. Mother Teresa had been a school teacher in a convent, and she was on a train, I believe, going up to Darjeeling. You know, it's a, it was a comfortable life, living with in the convents and running the Catholic schools. But she was on the train, and, and Jesus called her, and he said, you have to serve the poorest of the poor. So she left her monastery. She left everything. And she, she cared about the poor. Jesus said, that which you do to the least among you, you do to me. And so he, he knew, I mean, she knew that she was doing it for Jesus. But she was simply doing what Jesus asked her to do. If Jesus had asked her, to try to become the Prime Minister of England. She would have tried to become the Prime Minister of England. It wasn't, she didn't care what she was doing. She, she cared that she was following the will of Jesus within her heart. That was the point. So in my little tiny world, you know, what am I trying to do? Am I trying to be so clever and so smart and tell everybody what they ought to do? Or am I trying to do what God wants me to do? And so Swami says in here, when our feelings are intense, or exaggerated and not calm, it's very hard to hear God's guidance because there's so much turbulence going on. And we get in the habit of thinking, if I feel this so strongly, it must be what God wants. But we don't necessarily feel that. We just want that to be true. Even that tone of voice, even that kind of you know, sound, that's what I was saying, the very sound, the very intensity of it, of that kind of intensity is contrary to the actual feeling you have when, when we're really in tune with higher consciousness. Higher consciousness is very calm. And, and higher consciousness is, is extraordinarily determined. Don't think for an instant that it's passive. But that determination is not noisy. That determination is so deep inside of us that, among other things, it's very patient. It, it genuinely wants to serve, and the commitment, the commitment is there to be helpful, 
not to do anything in particular. I remember an instance with Swamiji where there was this man in our community and he was difficult to get along with. He had what Swami lovingly called an unfortunate manner. Swami was, that was one of his really choice phrases. He would say about someone, well, they, they have an unfortunate manner, which meant that they were difficult to get along with. They had an unfortunate way of presenting themselves to the world that did not you know, win support and was not effective. And this man had an unfortunate manner. He actually had a very good heart, a very bright mind, many, many talents. But often he had an unfortunate manner, so things did not always work out for him. But uh, one day something happened, and Swami, to a very small group of us, said quite emphatically, you know, I really must speak to him like that. And there was a certain inner satisfaction that perhaps he was finally going to speak to him. And I watched Swami because that was what I did as I watched him. And I actually believe 10 years passed from the time when Swami said he was going to do that to when he did it. But the whole time, Swami was ready. It wasn't like he'd forgotten it or didn't think it was important. But he he had to wait to the moment of receptivity. And then the moment of receptivity came. And he was very forceful. And in fact, it actually was sort of a tumultuous situation. It ended up so he had to raise his voice and speak above the crowd to get his point across. It was very intense, but it was the moment when the man could hear it. And prior to that, who would Swamiji have been serving? He was there to serve God. And how would we know what God wants unless we still ourselves and let go of our likes and dislikes? What primarily keeps us from knowing God's will is that we want this and don't want that. And so we just, we can't hear. Even when the Lord is speaking perfectly clearly in our ears, we're just blocking it because we don't want that particular thing to be true. Now this, it takes practice, and the kind of practice it takes is endless mistakes. It just takes endless mistakes. And I gradually came to feel that if I really wanted to tell somebody something, I shouldn't because really wanting to tell them is quite different than really feeling that God wanted me to tell them. And you have to experiment. You have to have the courage. You have to have the humility to be wrong because unless you really put yourself into the effort, we won't learn. But learning is worth the effort. So Swami says, in any controversy, test the rightness of your stand by the way it affects your deeper feelings. Such feelings can be trusted as the ever-fickle emotions can never be. Calm, joyful feelings will steer you aright. If, on the other hand, your feelings are agitated or negative, they will emphasize your lower emotions and will always be wrong, almost always be wrong. Even happy emotions can distort one's judgment. Calm feeling is the safest condition for receiving right guidance. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.